This is The Guardian. Today, a winter fuel crisis is coming. What can you do to help protect yourself? When you read headlines about the cost of living crisis, about how much energy bills are going to go up this winter on top of how much food and fuel prices have risen, it can be difficult to comprehend. What it means for you as an individual, for your costs as a family, and what it'll do to our society. In the UK, gas prices have spiked. There are warnings of an energy crunch. Now there is no good way of putting this. Now we all know energy bills are set to rise again, with one charity saying the news will strike terror into the hearts of millions. From the 1st of October, the cap on energy prices, that's the maximum someone on a standard energy tariff will pay, is going up from around £1,100 a year to more than £3,500. A study by the University of York estimates that two-thirds of people will be forced into fuel poverty this winter. And now, experts at the investment bank Goldman Sachs are warning that inflation could go beyond 20% next year. And though the government has announced some financial help, it's becoming increasingly clear that people will need much, much more. So you are ruling out cash payments in whatever form to people then, and you will only help people through tax cuts? That's not what I said. What I said is my priority is making sure we're not taking money off people and then giving it back to them later on. By next week, we'll have a new Prime Minister either Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak, and they're going to need to decide quickly what that help will be. I don't think I've ever known something like this. I mean, I've been through, I've been through the sort of the, the financial crisis in 2007, 2008. Even for experienced financial journalists like The Guardian's Rupert Jones, who's been helping people with their money problems for 25 years, the situation we're in right now is unimaginable. I think coming, literally, this coming along on the back of something that everyone was just talking about being a sort of once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-hundred-year event like COVID, and now you've got this thing that people are now saying that financially this is worse than COVID. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, the practical ways to cope with your rising energy bills. Rupert Jones, you're the acting consumer and money editor at The Guardian. On Friday, the energy regulator Ofgem announced that it was increasing the cap on energy prices to £3,549 a year. Firstly, can you just explain to me what is the energy cap? Yeah, so the cap was introduced uh, back in 2019. And the aim of it was to stop the energy companies from basically sort of making what would be seen as excessive profits. It basically sets the maximum uh, amount that energy companies can charge customers who are on, well, the jargon is on default tariffs. That's the standard sort of variable rate uh, for energy. It basically limits the amount that suppliers, energy companies can charge for each unit of uh, gas and electricity and also the standing charges that we all um, have to pay. And it protects now about 24 million households. 
the price cap, um, like you said, came in under Theresa May's government. How did energy companies respond to that? I mean, it sounds like they used it as a way to just kind of push prices right up to the default. Originally, they did. I mean, there was a lot of an outcry and people sort of saying that this is just the trouble with caps is that you just, you know, whether it caps in lots of sort of areas of life is that it means that you sort of can then just push up to the cap. And I think in certain terms of going forward, I think we can expect all of the energy companies to, you know, raise their default tariffs up to this new maximum. And Ofgem says that the sort of the profit margin for energy companies that they allow is sort of only about 1.9%, which is, they say, modest. So the vast majority of households are on a default tariff basically because they've been loyal and stuck with the same energy provider. If you spool back sort of two or three years, people were switching and hopping around, a bit like the sort of some people do with mortgages and things. People were hopping around from deal to deal. There were all these amazing sort of one and two year Uh, fixed price energy deals that you could go on to. And the great thing about those is that you could save in some cases hundreds of pounds a year versus being on the default tariff. Now it's all absolutely turned on its head. There probably are still a few people out there who are maybe coming to the end of one of these sort of one, two-year deals. Now they are going to get the shock of their life because unfortunately those deals are either just not around or if they are around they're sort of like three, four, five six thousand pounds a year basically they're they're worse than the cap it's literally it's like so everyone's gone out shopping and every single shop has pulled down the shutters at the same time and that cap of three thousand five hundred and forty nine pounds a year is referring to a household with a so-called typical consumption what is that typical household interestingly that cap figure is based on what is viewed as being uh, an average uh, British household, which is 2.4 people, basically. It's based on someone on direct debit, they're paying electricity and gas. Probably the biggest issue in a way is it all depends on your energy consumption and also just how energy efficient your house is. So you could have two families living in identical houses next door to each other, both with 2.4 people, if that's physically possible, in them. And one lot, they're wearing their jumpers all the time. They're permanently turning the thermostat down to sort of about 16. Their house is really well insulated. And then you've got the other house. They've got the thermostat up at about 24 or something. They're all wandering around in t-shirts. They've got a really leaky dry house, the two bills for those houses are going to be completely and utterly different. So what does this announcement actually mean then in practice? The current cap at the moment is 1,971. The increase that was announced to the cap on uh, Friday is an 80%, 80% increase on what was already an insanely large uh, annual bill. So obviously we've got the price cap that's at the moment, which basically runs through till the end of September. This is basically the new cap amount which will run through from the 1st of October until the end of December. As things stand, there's even worse news uh, coming down the track because the next announcement is 24th of November. There's a lot of predictions that we're going to see a, a price cap that's going to be sort of possibly well over £5,000. And why was the cap raised? Well, it's a sort of a string of unfortunate things really. It's basically down to huge increases in wholesale gas prices. When the world sort of started coming out of sort of COVID hibernation, if you like, and everyone sort of came out of their houses and went back to work and everything sort of started getting fired up, of course, there was this sort of huge 
unexpected surge in energy demand. And so that started to push prices up. And then, of course, they've gone much higher because of Russia slowly sort of switching off gas supplies to Europe, linked to the whole um, uh, Ukraine war. Well, to help people, in July, the government announced the Energy Bills Support Scheme, that every household will be getting £400 a year off their energy bills. That starts in October. How much of a help do you think that's going to be to people? I mean, as things stand at the moment, it's not really going to touch the sides, is it? Everyone's going to get it. Uh, It's going to basically be paid in uh, chunks over six months from October. So basically, it's it's either about £66 or £67 a month. I'm kind of curious as to why the government decided to give £400 as a blank sum to everybody in the country rather than means testing it. The trouble is with, you know, once you get into means testing, it's really, really hard. I think most of us probably would feel that this is something, you know, that it's crazy that you've got uh, well-off and rich households who are going to be getting uh, this £400 discount. I think it's a real problem. But if you want to get money quickly to people, you have to sort of make it hassle-free. Come next week, we're going to have a new prime minister. We've got two candidates, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, who are still vying for the the love of their party members. What are they saying in response to this? They will almost certainly hold an emergency budget at some point during uh, September. This is an area where there's a lot of rumours around and not a lot of hard facts. As I say, they have got to sort of be moving really fast on this. Who do you think will be most hit by these price increases then? And, you know, what percentage of their yearly budget is going to be spent on energy? Some of Britain's poorest families will see as much as uh, 47% of their entire household budget uh, swallowed up by uh, energy costs this autumn. Whereas for richer households, it may be as little as 5%. So you've got this huge span, really, between which basically depends on sort of where you are, if you like, on the income scale and basically how many people are in the house and how big your property is, really. And one thing that actually that it's important to point out is as about four and a half million households are on uh, prepayment meters. And one of the uh, issues with uh, prepayment meters is that you don't get your sort of bill smoothed out in the same way as you do with sort of uh, direct debits. And uh, there have been some people uh, suggesting that they could be looking at a bill in January of perhaps £700 plus. The Chancellor, Nadim Zahawi, said in an interview with the Daily Telegraph that he was also concerned about people on middle incomes. He was talking there about a senior nurse or a teacher on a salary of £45,000 a year, which is way above minimum wage. Are we in a situation then, is this what we're talking about, that people who have maybe never really had to worry about their bills before are now looking at it, you know, coming through the door every month and thinking, I don't honestly don't know how I'm going to pay this? Yeah, that's, this isn't just something that's affecting people on the lower income scales. A year ago, the average monthly direct debit for your energy was just under £95. We're now talking about, for the period from the 1st of October, going up to nearly £300. We're talking about uh, predictions of a cap from January of more than perhaps £5,300. That's a monthly direct debit of nearly £450. 
and it's not just in homes. What effect is this going to have on small businesses, do you think? I think in terms of small businesses, it's calamitous, really, isn't it? I mean, we've had these warnings uh, yesterday that thousands of pubs will shut forever unless uh, the government uh, steps in. The key thing to point out is that businesses and companies, now they don't have a cap on their energy bills. And some are saying that they're looking at a quadrupling of their energy bills. So, I mean, if households think they've got it bad, some of these businesses, it's, it's just in, insane, really. Some are saying that their bills are due to rise more than fivefold. I mean, we've just talked to a small uh, fish and chip shop that we heard about. Their annual energy bill is rising from uh, £9,000 to £35,000. Rupert, there was a poll that came out a couple of days ago that the Lib Dems commissioned and it found that one in four adults in the UK are planning to not switch on their heating at all this winter. If that is the case, what can people do to keep warm? There are things that you can do. I mean, I suppose the sort of the glass half full way of looking at it is that as the bills get bigger, the amounts that you can save by doing stuff does become bigger as well. In terms of sort of some of the more budget options, for example, there's things like radiator reflector foil. It basically reflects warmth back into the room. Some people just use ordinary kitchen foil, which you sort of put behind the radiator, though you can get rolls of um, uh, radiator reflector foil for like a pound or two. There's ceiling windows and doors, you know, using strips of foam and plastic. There's insulating pipes. You know, a lot of sort of DIY places you can buy these sort of foam tubes with a sort of a split that you can basically slip it over the outside of uh, of the pipe there's all sorts of things with chimneys for example i mean people in people used to use pillow some people used to sort of stuff a pillow up there uh, up the chimney to sort of stop drafts you can buy these things called chimney balloons which are basically like these sort of funny things that you inflate like a sort of a, yeah like a balloon really and you can sort of also buy these uh, wool draft excluders that you can sort of put up the chimney there's filling gaps between floorboards insulating your loft You can often do that yourself, actually. Uh, You can buy uh, rolls of uh, mineral wool insulation. You can get up there and do it, maybe get perhaps get a handy relative or someone to uh, get up in the loft and see what the situation is up there. For people who have some disposable income at the moment, are there significant things that they might invest in to insulate their homes really well? There's uh, cavity wall insulation. There's all the way up to sort of big things such as, yeah, paying thousands of pounds to get solar panels installed on your roof. A big issue with all of this is trying to get uh, is availability of of tradespeople, basically, uh, at the moment, because a lot of people have seen what's coming down the track and have uh, have booked people in, basically. So we're certainly hearing a lot of reports that people are having to wait months. We have some of the oldest housing stock in Europe you know, a lot of people are living in homes that are not properly insulated. Why is that? You know, you look at a lot of the Victorian and Edwardian housing stock, which is often the stereotypical middle classes. They often want to be living in those sort of Victorian and Edwardian terraces and semis, and they are just very old and leaky and also people often like the original features they want the nice sash windows um, but of course sash windows in their sort of traditional form that can be terrible you know and again those those lovely trendy wooden floorboards again can be an absolute nightmare when it comes to sort of uh, insulation. You also have this huge stock of 
rented properties where people are in very cold, drafty conditions because their landlord isn't updating the insulation. That's right. We get people um, emailing us who are in desperation because obviously they've tried to get the landlord to sort these things out. But you've now got, um, obviously you've got a lot of landlords now who are... They're feeling that they are facing all of the same issues now. They've got their bills are going up. Their you know their mortgages on their on their buy to let properties, their own mortgages for their houses. So yeah, we're going to be getting. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more from people who are sort of contacting us in desperation about this. Really, you've laid out some of the practical things people can do to better insulate their homes what can we do to try and keep our energy bills as low as possible this winter the energy supplier uh, utilita crunched some numbers to look at sort of some of the savings that people can make from making changes to their behavior whether it's sort of in the kitchen bathroom things like that i mean some of the numbers are bigger than i thought so i mean one of the main ones people always talk about is turning the thermostat down by uh, one degrees centigrade now that could save a household typically £321 a year based on the new numbers. Other ones, unplugging gadgets and avoiding leaving them on standby will, again, according to the numbers, typically now save people about £99 a year. Wow. Because there's a lot of ga- you know, it's a lot of gadgets and these things are sort of soaking up energy and they're just sitting there and probably a fire hazard as well. Trying to fill your washing machine, again, that's one of those ones where it's not, it's not a big... Even now, they're talking about perhaps saving £17, £17 a year from just filling up your washing machine rather than sort of running a few half-empty cycles. So, again... Perhaps some people think it's quite small beer, but, you know, again, it's it's obviously better for the environment as well. Turning it down to 30 as well. Uh, switching off lights in unoccupied rooms. That's another one. Maybe sit down and talk to uh, maybe certain members of the household who sort of, you know, leave the place looking like sort of Blackpool illumination. You could save... Well, I think the number on that is about £46 a year on that. And another one that's been talked about quite a bit over, uh, over the weekend is things to do with changing the way that you cook. And there was some separate research that was also done by the same company. They were sort of saying that you could save up to £604 a year by basically through a whole range of things to do with cooking more efficiently. Now, unfortunately, some of these involve buying the kit. So, for example, um, using an, uh, an air fryer... Uh, or a microwave or a slow cooker is going to be much more efficient than using uh, an electric oven in terms of costs. Some people will have those already. Maybe some people will have them, I don't know, gathering dust somewhere. Some, but yeah, if you've, obviously if you've got to pay for one of those things, then clearly that's not going to that's not going to give you a saving. It's also things like uh, filling the kettle just with as much water. Uh, as you need rather than you know over you're making one cup of tea just don't fill the thing up to the right up to the to the top using the right size saucepan so again if you're cooking the pasta or whatever don't use it you know use the right pan you're only maybe cooking for one person or two people using a lid simmering uh, rather than uh, boiling I mean interestingly a microwave was found to be uh, the cheapest option costing just 8p a day and that's sort of assuming uh, that's using it for about 20 minutes in a day which is about £30 a year. For people who are really struggling and have already made the changes that we've discussed in terms of trying to keep their energy bills as low as possible, 
Is there any additional support they can look into getting? I mean, there are various sorts of support. So, I mean, obviously, we've got um, we've got the £400 discount. But aside from that, we've got the cost of living payments that have already been uh, announced uh, this year for people on universal credit, pension credit, some other benefits. We've got the winter fuel payment. That is uh, going to be between £250 and £600 for older people. Now, I mean, it is worth mentioning that many energy companies do offer schemes and grants to help with heating. There are different sort of grants that may be available in terms of help with heating and energy costs from local authorities. A lot of local authorities are very much sort of putting that stuff front and centre up on their websites at the moment. So have a look at your sort of local council website, see what they are saying. There are lots of little charities out there, charities maybe you've never really heard of. There's an organisation called Turn To Us. So it's one word, Turn To with a digit us. They have some uh, tools and information on their website uh, about sort of some of the help uh, that you can get, basically. Coming up, what if you just can't pay your energy bills? Rupert, what happens if people can't pay their bills? Yes, so under under the rules that um, Ofgem has, uh, suppliers basically there is a requirement that suppliers, energy companies, have to work with households to an agree, agree what would be called an affordable payment plan. So, and that is something that Ofgem uh, requires. So you have to sort of sit down to yeah, look at what is what is affordable for you. Now, Citizens Advice says that it is rare to be disconnected but that's at the moment I mean we are you know I would need to prefix that but you know we are heading into unknown territory here really that what would normally happen is that if you can't pay or won't pay you uh, will usually be put onto a uh, prepayment meter and obviously some people are on those already now if you use a prepayment meter and you can't afford to top it up because that's how they work you have to keep topping it up uh, and paying in advance then you can go to your company and ask for what's called emergency credit or uh, temporary credit which is basically a sort of a bit extra basically to sort of help you maybe through it might be through until the next payday or something like that if you are still struggling and you basically need more credit then what can happen at that point is that if you're someone who would fall into the uh, definition of being vulnerable, now that could be quite a few different things. That could be someone that could be to do with health issues. That might be mental health issues. That could be physical health issues, illness, injury, uh, perhaps to do with a disability or other things. There's quite a wide sort of number of things that could mean that you could could find yourselves classed as uh, vulnerable. And in that case, you basically sort of get another bit of emergency and temporary credit and all the energy companies are going to be under a lot of pressure from the government the authorities to sort of you know in terms of what they would call forbearance to basically sort of try and help people whether they're sort of you know payment holidays helping people to sort of ride through the winter and there's a campaign going at the moment where people are saying in protest they're just not going to pay their bills what do you make of that there has been this ongoing campaign in terms of basically not paying your bills. Now, I mean, most experts are warning that this is very bad news, actually, for people financially, because 
it could sort of wreck your uh, credit ratings and things like that. So, I mean, it is really hard. I think what the campaigners, I suppose, are gambling on is that this becomes a bit of a sort of a poll tax thing that it's about if you can get the scale you know if you can literally get millions of people then you end up sort of forcing if you like people to the table and forcing change but I think at the moment financially speaking all of the experts sort of say don't not pay because of the implications that it could have for your finances it is it is sort of scary I think this idea that people may muck up their financial records and that that could have really heavy implications but then on the other hand we're talking these are desperate times and people are in desperate situations really at the moment where else would you recommend that people look for information on what could help them it is fair to say there's no shortage of information out there at the moment. You've got the consumer organisation, which, I mean, the Ofgem website, actually, there's quite a lot of clear, understandable, not too jargony sort of information uh, on there. I do think that in the UK, Citizens Advice does have, they, you know, they have a lot of good information on there that sort of t- tells it like it is. We have been getting uh, emails um, from readers about this sort of thing. It is really hard. I mean, it's 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 frustrating for us, really, because there is, in some ways, there is, yeah, there, in terms of normally, you would be telling people to sort of switch to a better deal. I mean, that's what we always say, isn't it? You know, mortgages, current accounts, savings. I mean, all, all these things. This is the mantra for sort of a, a personal finance journalist is always switch to a better deal. I'm always able to rattle off some amazing deal that some bank is doing where they give you 150 quid if you go over there. Um, there's some amazing uh, mortgage rate, uh, all these sorts of things. And at the moment, I mean, basically the sort of the if you like, the sort of the switching market is effectively shut at the moment. So people are stuck on these deals and we're all waiting and waiting to see what the government or the new prime minister is going to announce. We've got these things that have already been announced, like the £400 discount, which is already out of date, really. So it's really, it's really hard. It's really it's really frustrating. I mean, you've got people like sort of even people like Martin Lewis is sort of saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of out of thing in my toolbox, you know, of, of my arsenal of things that I can sort of bring in to try and sort of help. You know, we, we're getting out of we're starting to run out of, of tools, really, as to what we can as to what we can do and what the experts can advise. Rupert, thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. That was Rupert Jones. He's written some really helpful explainers on how the rise in the energy cap is set to affect households of different sizes. You can go to theguardian.com to see those. This episode was produced by Cleetzia Sala and Harim Khan and sound designed by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producers are Elizabeth Casson and Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.